welcome to this week's episode of the Dramatic Dream Dragons podcast here on the Five Star Network. I am, as always, your host, Sonder Bjorn, and we are a podcast covering Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling and DDT Pro Wrestling. With me today, I have both Yannick and Dylan, my regular co-hosts, but we are also joined by probably our biggest guest ever, uh, the current KOD Openweight Champion, Chris Brooks. How are you doing, Chris? Good evening, gentlemen. I'm very uh, pleased with that introduction. It's very kind of you to call me the biggest guest ever. However, I feel that is very disrespectful to one Ho-Ho Loon. <laughs> don't underestimate Ho-Ho Loon. I don't know about the biggest guest. Ash is really tall, too. Ash is tall, but not as tall as me. Has Ash been on an episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before Peter Pan. Ah, okay. I like that now I forced him through uh, the last time we did TJPW commentary to use his full name and be Ash Man because he kept just being announced for everything as Ash. And I was like, that's weird. You're not like a seal. You can't just have a single name. Um, yeah. After a lot, a lot of Yannick went to Japan, he came back with two big guests for us, Ho-Ho-Lun and now you. And I, I'm really happy about it. It's been something I've been hyped for for a long time. And now that we've got you here, we're of course going to be talking about your upcoming Defense versus Shigehiro Irie this weekend mm-hmm. in Ota Ward. But first, let's just talk some normal stuff just to get the flow starting. Um, sure, sure. It's been... You came into DDT in 2019 became a regular Ross member in 2020. And I can say now it's pretty, you've come pretty far from where you started. How, how have you felt about your journey so far? And did you, did you expect it would be happening? You would be sitting here as the KOD Openweight Champion at this point? Well, no, I don't think I ever would have said that it was something I thought uh, or expected would happen. I think um, the f- around the time that I first came to DDT, June 2019, uh, at the time I was in the UK scene, but we were quite, between sort of myself, CCK, Kid Like Us, and then Schadenfreude as well, we were quite prominent in the UK scene at that time. And for me, my goal with wrestling has always been Japan uh, in the end. When I first got into wrestling, when I was like a young kid, I, I of course watched WWF and WCW and ECW, but then I kind of fell out of love with wrestling around like 12, 13 years old and around about 15, 16, sort of discovered through the wrestling channel in the UK, Pro Wrestling Noah and New Japan and things like that, which led to me then finding like Big Japan and stuff. So that was always my end goal. Um, and then I've never had any aspirations to really do anything in America or anywhere else like that. So it was kind of, I was at this... Uh, sort of fork in the road, if you will, where it was, I didn't feel I had anything left to do in the UK. And then Japan was the only thing left that I wanted to do. And I didn't think I had any particular chance or in to get into Japan. But as things started steamrolling, I did the first DDT tour in June 2019. I realized uh, how much kind of out of my element I was and how much higher the quality of wrestling was there. And I think that motivated me to want to stay in DDT because it felt like there wasn't a lot that I could do still in the UK, but it felt like, well, if I was in DDT where the quality was so high, it would 
forced me or pushed me to become a better wrestler. So that was like the motivation for choosing to move to Japan and stay in Japan. But of course, you have those goals. Eventually, you think that one day you'd like to uh, hold the main title of the company that you work for. But I don't think I ever expected it to happen at all. So it's all been very surreal for me too. But it feels like that kind of motivation that was there at the beginning, that that feeling of DDT is going to make me a better wrestler. It feels like it's it's paid off. That's an interesting answer, Chris. I, you know, I've always been, it really respected your mind of wrestling, but I really agree with what Sandre said. It feels like you've grown, and that dream that you talked about of growing as a wrestler has really happened. Has there been maybe a match or anything like that where you, afterwards, you were like, crap, I've hit my A game, I stepped up, Maybe this is a turning point. Was there like a specific match? Like, I've made a, a jump and I'm better than I was. I think um, as a wrestler, if you're not always constantly evolving and moving forward, then you'll definitely stagnate and become complacent with things. So when you talk about kind of that feeling, there's over the last three, four years, there's definitely been points where I've thought I had that feeling and then when that feeling next comes again, realize that prior to that, that feeling wasn't um, as accurate as what I thought it was. If that kind of makes sense. Like when yeah, I first absolutely. did the KOD open weight title match with Takeshra at the end of my first tour, which was July, 2019, I felt like, Oh, like I've, I've main evented a Korokuen show and like, it didn't suck. So that's good. But then even from then to like the second time that me and Takeshita wrestled at Koroku and for the KOD belt, I was like, oh no, now like I look at the first time a lot differently and it feels like this is a point where I kind of understand things. But then even coming on from then, because that's pushing on for like two years ago, I think uh, I felt the same feeling again when I had the the finals with Higuchi for the King of DDT and then the match with Hino at Ryogoku. It was like, oh no, this is like, now I'm st- sort of coming into it more again so you kind of have those points multiple times but to answer your question the most recent time that i had that feeling was definitely the whole road through the king of ddt tournament and then the finals with higuchi and then the match with hino at ryogo kasumo hall i think that was when i was like oh no like i can do this and um i remember going into the sumo hall match a lot of people were asking me before it um are you nervous and uh apprehensive about things and stuff like that but for me, like, if you follow that whole story, at least um, in the perception of the the fans that are in the arenas in Japan, the fans that are in the buildings, it was like pretty much 95% of the DDT audience, I'd say, wanted me to win at Ryogoku. So there was kind of a pressure being off there where it wasn't... I think as a wrestler, you'll often uh, have these imposter syndrome feelings like, uh, am I the person that should be here or am I the right person to be in this position? But people were so behind me that whole King of DDT run into Ryogoku that it, that kind of stress and pressure wasn't there. It was like, no, people do want me here. They do want me to be the main event and they do want me to win the belt. So that kind of pressure was relieved and it was the whole other pressure of the coming back really quick from a dislocated shoulder that was then weighing on my shoulders there. Yeah, that injury scared me. I was afraid we were going to lose that sumo main event. <laughs> like... I, I remember when that got announced with you when you announced that I was so worried, but I'm so happy that it ended up go- going well because it we said it on the road to Sumo Hall and Peter Pan this year that 
it really felt like there was no no other choice than you to win in the main event there because did it did kind of needs to capitalize on what they had created at the king of the DDT final which was a huge star uh because you at the end of the king of DDT you came off as a huge star and because you had just beaten like their biggest final boss and it it just per- perfectly worked well those months and it it was kind of the perfect storm coming to an end there for you to get that win it felt everything about that felt so right that's, that's was... for Sandra. um I'm sorry, Chris, I don't want to oh, no, continue. add on, on this and ask a question that um, for us in, in the West, it, it felt like this this perfect storm um, and it fits so well on also there was like a growing unhappiness in a way with uh, with what we were getting out of the KD Openweight champion, Championship mm. um, this year. Um, but as we see with the likes of the pheromones, um, there can be a big discrepancy between the what like the fans in the West uh, think the the big stuff is and what like the Japanese uh, fans do. How mm. do you um, or what is your opinion on this? Um, where do you see the um, the differences and do you think you can ride like both waves? I think there are definitely. Uh differences of course um cultural differences differences in opinion on content and things like that and i think i've i've especially tried to be consciously aware of that in my time in ddt especially coming from someone who is um, even though i live in japan and still a foreigner but i think uh at the end of the day ddt's ddt is interested in international expansion of course and you see that throughout all of Cyberfight, I think, at the moment with Noah DDT and Tokyo Joshi and even Gampro, they're constantly either offering English commentary or uh, like the DDT English account, things like that. They're, they're, they're conscious of and they want to appeal to the overseas audience. But at the end of the day, the bread and butter for a company like DDT or even Noah, I think, uh, and Tokyo Joshi is always going to, the bread and butter is going to be the audience that are in the buildings buying the tickets and coming to the shows so i think they have to they have to have a conscious balance of those two things and it's definitely a difficult thing to weigh up and um definitely a difficult thing to weigh up and uh how you approach that but i think at the moment at least it seems like even all the brands under the cyber fight banner are kind of running a good line of their appeal to the overseas audience and their appeal to the domestic audience but I completely get what you're saying too, and I'm very aware that um, the audiences are different. The things they want might be different, but I think, uh, at least as as far as from my perspective and the things that I've been privy to, DDT wants to be considerate to both and appeal to both. Hmm. And there's so many different graphics out there, even among the West. You know uh, that some things that would appeal to some types of fans more uh hardcore fans might be different than uh, other kinds of fans and certain things like you know pheromones that he brought up uh, that could appeal to different audiences different ages group different genders things like that as well mm, sure. uh yeah you know so there's a lot there i just wanted to follow up on what i said before uh just as a fan I, i've watched you for a long time now to be honest 
uh, I was surprised when I learned how long you've been wrestling because we're of similar ages and I was surprised at how close we started actually uh, in, in there. And I really felt like the Takeshita match you mentioned from two years ago, that was the same time of a rounded match that was very famous at the time. Uh, I'd recommend people finding it. Uh, the match you had with Lulu Pencil and Gato move. I oh, felt like, yeah. oh, I felt like, oh, when that happened, the Takeshita match happened. I won't say that I, I dis like you greatly, especially compared to a lot of your Brit Res <laughs> contemporaries. I know I'm kind of known for not liking them, but I never disliked you as much as them. But when I saw that match, I felt a change as a fan in you watching that. This was a different level that you've gotten to. And obviously this year you stepped up uh, really big with the tournament and the match with Higuchi. Um, I think you've done a great job overall. And I wanted to ask another kind of similar question. Who's the wrestler right now that you have the most fun in the ring with like if you have a singles match with so-and-so you know it's not going to be stressful i know it's going to be a great time for me and the fans and you'll be happy with the match and oh yeah that's good stuff there well first of all thank you that's very kind of you to say and in relation to the lulu pencil thing i think at, at that point one of the proudest things i felt was Roughly in around the same time frame, I did that Takeshita match and I did that Lulu Pencil match that was so different, mm. but I, I think they were both good in such different yes. ways. And I felt really proud of like being able to do both sides of that coin. Because it's one thing to be a, a great wrestler and be able to do a big main event match, but then, of course, the Chocobo situation and the thing with Lulu and the whole story was like so different and abstract to that. And I felt really uh, kind of self-fulfilled in that sense that I could do both sides of that coin and seemingly do them in a way that was connecting with people and having an, uh, uh, an emotional response. And then to the second point, uh, point of uh, who do I have most fun wrestling? Um, I think uh, maybe the you mentioned, of course, like the easiest person to wrestle. I think the easiest person to wrestle probably is Mao. Mao or Yuki Ueno. They're both so good, so interesting, so creative, and have that kind of variety flavor too where they can do so many different flavors super serious comical like street wrestling like whatever you want to put those guys in they can do that the same even applies to higuchi which is even more ridiculous because he can be like this horrifying monster and then you'll see him on like a town show somewhere and he's being super goofy doing the dos koi uh harry mouse stuff or on rojo shows and i think like higuchi is also someone who is is just always fun to wrestle. Like if I see DDT announce shows or match lineups on Twitter, and I see that I'm ever wrestling Higuchi or Mao or Ueno, especially yeah. and Shuma prior to his injury, like that, that's always just going to be a fun time. Oh, for sure. And it's all it's every like all of those wrestlers you mentioned there, and you you yourself all represent DDT so well because. It, you all represent the style DDT does in your movesets and in your mannerisms and everything of that. And it, like, ever since the Keshta kind of went over to, to AW more regularly, made, made that his new home, it, it's been clear that the people that are focused on in DDT now are you, Higuchi, Ueno, and Mao. Especially for the international audience, um, but yeah, uh, how uh, bringing it back to Gotham Move for for a second? How it is 
at like you in Shokopo got to move. How did that all come together? Because I I I don't remember when, but it was just so when Shokopo started, you were just really quickly there on with them. Well, what, what actually happened was, uh, so the first DDTA tour I ever did, which was June 2019, there was um, a Nagoya show, and there was a free three-corner tag team match, because I think the time that I went over to DDT the first time, the, the story of the summer, if you will, was leading to uh, the Takeshita and Endo match that was going to happen um, at the Otaku show, Wrestle Peter Pan. 2019 i believe the main event yeah and then it was announced already that after that a week later there was a coracoon show where i'd be challenging whoever was the winner of that match so we had like a preliminary kind of match in nagoya one time where it was me and masa i think it was endo and mad Pauly, and kesha and shuma yeah and yeah. i don't know why ddt even chose to put me and masa together but that was just their call their decision and uh, we kind of, uh, I remember actually the first match I ever did for DDT, I was at Kyoto, uh, KBS Hall, and I wrestled Makoto Oishi to go back a couple of weeks before that. I was backstage and I didn't know anyone in DDT. Yeah, I hadn't really met anyone. So I didn't have anyone to talk to or like, I was feeling pretty isolated for a debut. It's very kind of nerve wracking being there for the first time and you don't know anybody. But uh, Naoki Tanazaki, um, previously of Dragon Gate and then now of Dove Pro and yeah. sometimes bizarre and things he'd come over to england and we'd wrestled him me and Lycos, and kind of uh chaperoned him around places in the uk because both me and Lycos were big dragon gate fans before so we were really excited that he was coming over and then he lives uh he lives i think he lives in kobe or kyoto or Os osaka he's in that region so he came to the show uh, just to watch and, <laughs> yeah he came to the show just to watch and like uh show me some support which was really nice but then i remember he came to me during the interval backstage that was the first time i saw him and he was like chris how's it going da, 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 da. and then masa walked past at one point and he was like oh this is masa takanashi and tanazaki knew that i liked all the obscure like old japanese indie wrestling like fmw mm. wing and iwa japan and stuff and he was like oh this masa takanashi guy likes all that stuff too you should talk to him you'll probably get along so we like struck off from that point and then i remember after one of the Korku and ddt shows Massa was like, oh, if you're free later, um, I have this uh, Choco Pro, uh, not Choco Pro, Gato Move show happening at Ichigaya. Um, if you want to come, you can. Don't feel obliged. Like, you don't have to. But if you if you feel like you want to come, by all means, come and, come and check it out. So I did, and I went and I watched it. And that was the first time I'd ever seen Gato Move live or even I hadn't watched anything on their YouTube, really. I kind of knew it existed, but I hadn't paid any attention to it. And I watched it, and uh, I think the first show I went to, there was Lulu Pencil versus Antonio Honda, and I watched it, and I was like, this is amazing, like, I want to do this. And then typically, like, if you're a touring wrestler coming over for DDT or anywhere, they won't really let you do other places. But the second tour, when I came over for DDT in the winter, I said to them kind of explicitly beforehand, I'd like to do Gato Move, if possible. And they kind of got me on a few shows, and I remember the agreement at first was I could do Gato Move shows if DDT could then put them on Wrestle Universe. So for the first like few Gato Move shows I did, the matches would always end up going on Wrestle Universe a little bit afterwards. And then when I agreed to do the uh, long-term stay with DDT, one of the prerequisites that I had was I wanted to move over to Japan for at least a year and work for ddt but i kind of wanted a free pass to still be able to do any gato move shows when they offered them to me 
which DDT agreed to. And then, of course, so I'm, I think I debuted on episode like four or five, maybe three or four. Yeah. But yeah, from that point onwards, been pretty semi-regular, at least there. I think I just, I, I just really enjoy the uh, the atmosphere and the style of uh, Get Them of Choco Pro, and I, I've wanted to be a part of it since I first saw it. So. Oh, oh and, yeah. It's it's such a it's created such a personality based kind of wrestling, and their like their energy is so infectious. Like when I talk to them now in London, there it was so easy to follow along and talk with them and get happy and just smile and laugh. And a lot of the memories from the from the pandemic wrestling, Chogo Pro helped with that, and a lot of the like. They were such a unique perspective on what everyone else was doing, which was just having normal wrestling shows, but with no crowds. Which was, yeah, I think it was, I think it was certainly like a good point of escapism for people, especially yeah. during the pandemic era. Like you said, Gato Move and Choco Pro, the the aim of it is just to make people happy. Which uh, wrestling in general is obviously, of course, to entertain people. It's to make them feel a range of emotions, which I think Choco Pro still does, but it's like kind of bubble wrapped in such like this cutesy, friendly package that you can't help but smile when you watch it. And I think definitely during the pandemic era, uh, it, it was mutually beneficial. I mean, it, it served Choco Pro really well because people were stuck at home and they couldn't go out and then they were offering this free show on YouTube. But I think definitely Choco Pro also offered the audience that were watching it kind of a little bit of positive escapism from how negative stuff was at the time in the world. And it also, yeah. It's really interesting how you were involved with like nothing was happening anymore, but like uh, DDT weekly uh, TV shows. Yes. Um, and, and got to move well, Choco Pro. Um, and I think, they got to to be the talk of the town just because you know these were more or less the only product that was still available or still running and uh the tv ddt tv shows were what got me um into ddt and more and more importantly out of new japan right i think they both ddt and got the move they both kind of really struck when the timing was right and got things rolling pretty quickly with that kind of no audience, but there's still going to be some kind of weekly content or like regular. I think Choco Pro was two times a week, but I think they were they were kind of both pretty fast on the pulse of finding out a way to still make wrestling happen even during the pandemic, which is why it was kind of strange for me because a lot of people, especially like friends in the UK or whatever, wrestling just shut down for months and months and there was nothing happening. And people ask me like, was the pandemic hard? You were kind of you're in Japan alone and whatever, but I mean, really, between Choco Pro and DDT, even though it was TV shows and no fans and stuff like that, I, I had a pretty regular wrestling schedule. I never really had a break from wrestling during the pandemic or anything. So, although it was different in ring and the the atmosphere of the shows changed, the schedule was pretty consistent with how it would be pre or post pandemic. Do you keep up with wrestling outside of stuff going on, going on just in DT, TJP, and, and Gato Move as you talked about? Because I, I remember you talked about how you had a poster of DDT 
10 years ago uh, in your build-up to the champion. Do you still have that spirit now as a fan? Or do you watch just to keep tabs on stuff in Japan abroad? Or do you just like, ah, screw that stuff. I'm, I care about what I'm up to. No, I still very much enjoy uh, wrestling, especially, I mean, predominantly the wrestling that's here. I mean, there's still shows that I'll go to as a fan sometimes secretly and watch and hang out at. But um, in terms of overseas stuff, I, I don't really pay any, any attention to anything in America or uh, Canada and stuff like that. Mexico, I don't really pay any attention to any of that. I mean, I follow the stuff in Japan and then just through friends and stuff that I still have back home, I'll occasionally see what's going on in England or Germany and stuff like that. But I definitely still enjoy watching wrestling. I like to keep up with stuff that's going on here. And because it's such a big part of the culture, especially if you're involved in the, the business, it's kind of hard not to keep up with it because, I mean, every week, uh, weekly pro wrestling, shoe pro come and throw a stack of magazines backstage and people flick through them so you'll see what's going on everywhere. And then even if you go to the DDT bar, Samurai TV is on all the time, so you're seeing the digests of what's happening everywhere. So I'm definitely not uh, keeping up with it the same way I was in 2010 when it was like downloading single matches from Mega Upload and Rapid Share yes. of uh, anything I could find from Noah or Big Japan and stuff like that. But I definitely like to keep up with wrestling still and I still enjoy watching it. That's good. I'm glad we have the exact same story of, of the, those years ago, even up to all that stuff there. Do you have an active role in getting guys over to DDT? Uh, you know, do people in the company be like, hey, who's a foreigner that might fit in here? Uh, do you say, I don't watch American wrestling. I don't want Americans over here. Or do you, <laughs> do, do they really trust your opinion on foreigners in all seriousness? Honestly, DDT in terms of uh, who they bring in uh, as foreign guests, I always find out pretty much as they're announced. They, they don't really consult me on anything. So like every time I find out that someone's coming over, I'm like, oh, oh all right, okay. But um, uh, not really, no. Uh, I suggested Alex Windsor to TJPW, I think. I put her name forward. And uh, Riho, the girl, the, the Riho yeah. from the UK, not the, the Japanese Riho. Awesome. Um, I mentioned them at one point. And th there's been times where I've tried to kind of... Uh, push people to ddt but um I just, borrow your gear for her yeah her gear got lost so she borrowed my kick pads <laughs> for uh for her debut i think yeah uh one question about like our overseas stuff real quick uh with all in being announced now for to be returning to london next year it will open the the door to have more shows that weekend do you think there is an interest in DDT for running London next year? Um, I'd like to think so, but I think if you wanted to do it, um, if you wanted to do it authentically, it would be such an expensive venture. So it's it's difficult to weigh up. I remember years ago when like Drangate would do the UK shows, Drangate UK, and Noah even did the European navigation and stuff like that. I just remember thinking, even at that time, like it must be such an expensive. Yeah, venture because DDT has a roster now of like thirty something guys in that range, I'd say. And then even in the instance of the America thing this year for yeah. WrestleMania weekend, uh, there was the DDT show, but there was kind of still like, a lot of outside influence or GCW influence yeah, kind of making kind of needed, up half the card. Yeah, they kind of needed a India to team up with too. Yeah, yeah I so think I think blueprint is welcome to America, like twenty nineteen. 
Right, no, of course, yeah, like the DDT 2019 show was, that was just fully a DDT show. And I think, I mean, of course, I'd I'd welcome the idea of doing something like that in the UK, but as someone that is conscious and aware of, like, just how much a single return flight costs from yeah, Tokyo yeah. to London, like, the logistics of it are just uh, very difficult, I think. Uh, Takagi has mentioned previously that he wants to do more stuff in Europe, and I've kind of tried to push him and sway him into directions of connections i have with like wxw and things like that so i'd like to see something like that happen but i don't know how viable it is what was that 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 weekend would be the best time to do it since like all a lot of people are traveling to london for that already for all in uh if the cash the works all in he could also be able for that yeah you know, it, it's, it's like a year out. So <laughs> yeah, it's also a year out. Um, so it's it, it it is just me still living in the all in happened two weeks ago glow. You know, <laughs> like that weekend was fantastic for me. So I, yeah, I at, just, at this point, I'm just happy that uh, that I'll get to see Renegades uh, in WXW. Oh yeah, uh, what to say in Iria? Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. I mean. Takagi has his finger on the pulse of overseas stuff much more than I do. I mean, if you ever meet Takagi-san or see him anywhere, you'll never see him not constantly looking at his phone. And I can guarantee you that he's on Twitter checking social media. So he's very on the pulse with stuff that's going on worldwide, especially because of the uh, sort of connection that there is now with AEW and things like that. So I can't comment on anything. I haven't heard anything. But I'd say since all... In in Wembley has been announced that it will be happening again next year. I'm sure it's something that he's aware of, and he's expressed at least interest in me previously that he's interested in trying to do something in Europe. So it's funny you mentioned that because I would honestly, for years, uh, again, uh, long before anything in DDT right now, I've really always respected you how you're a promoter of yourself. Uh, going back to what you mentioned before with Shot and Freud and Friends and stuff, which basically has a spiritual successor now with Bakagaijin and Friends. And uh pro- your promotional mind, I've always considered you like an expert at social media and things like that. And being an ambassador to ambassador of yourself, your projects, DDT to the Western audience, and you've honed in on your your fan base. Very passionate. If you look at your fans, you have a lot of very passionate ones. And I feel like you have your finger on the pulse of that. Uh, do you feel like there's a pressure from Takagi, the company, to be that? Uh, is it just so natural to you? You took it from going on from your uh, Schadenfreude days, or you're just like, look, man, I, I need some cash. I'll come up with something and get everything over. I need to get over, and there's just not that much fun, uh, much th- thought into it more than that. Well, honestly, I mean, even with the new Bakugaijin, uh project, which is definitely, as you said, like a spiritual successor kind of to the Schadenfreude and Friends shows that happened before, that was just me... Um, coming to Japan at first and being really focused on just uh, kind of myself and trying to uh, adapt more to wrestling for DDT for the first like year or two, it was just, uh, I was really zoned in on just trying to improve and get better and just be a better DDT wrestler. But I think somewhere towards two and a half years or maybe bordering on the three year point, there was, because as you said, like the Schadenfreude stuff before, or like I used to run attack for about four or five years. I've always, um, really also enjoyed like that creative part of wrestling putting together shows promoting shows and stuff like that because it's just it's fun to me it's like a a creativity itch that i like to scratch and i think about two and a half years deep three years deep because 
obviously in terms of what happens in DDT, I don't particularly have a lot of input. I was really feeling like that creative itch where I wanted to start doing something again and like doing everything that was involved in it. I wanted to be making posters, making match graphics, making cards and sorting the arena and sorting everything like that. So honestly, like the back of guys in shows really just came from selfishly wanting that self-fulfillment of being able to produce something myself again, because it's just something I enjoy doing. I mean, before wrestling, I was uh, working in like graphic design and stuff like that and dabbled in video editing and things of that nature. And it was just an itch that I wanted to scratch again. I kind of did the Chris Brooks produce shows, but they were very much DDT associated. Whereas besides me being a DDT wrestler and the logo being on the posters, DDT have nothing to do with the Bakugajian shows. So it's kind of completely separate, but I like having that output to do things like that and kind of uh, steer the ship the way that I would like to see it go in some ways. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, and I really, I noted that as well when you look at a lot of the posters and things like that. Uh, you know, it really fits in with your aesthetic that you've created. You know, there's been a lot of talk lately abroad, obviously, about wrestling merch sellers, peg warmers. And as someone quite familiar with warm peggings myself, it got me thinking coming into this interview about the idea of you and hopefully DDT as a whole on a grander scale. Do you foresee a way to maybe get some action figures going? Something like a video game, a movie of sorts like the apartment wrestling video I first saw with Ibushi like 15 years ago. I'm sure you saw that too. Um, you know, the company has the backing of a cyber agent, a huge company. Do you feel like those kinds of avenues may, may be in DDT's future? Uh, or maybe even anything you're involved with for the fans of Japan and abroad? Firstly, I did not miss you pointing out that you're familiar with a warm pegging. <laughs> that was a very interesting <laughs> choice of words. I, um, I said what I said. In terms of DDT merchandise, uh, figures and things like that, uh, I just think there's, which is a bizarre thing to say because so much of the culture of Japan is soft vinyl figures and gacha and stuff like that. There just doesn't seem to be the demand for it, at least with wrestling. I remember at least in the 90s, there was all the uh, Charapro, uh, Charapro, Character Pro uh, wrestling figures, like New Japan had the whole line, and then there was Noah figures and stuff like that. But I think in the last, like, almost two decades, there hasn't really been that much. They've kind of, they dabbled in, they have the kind of big head soft vinyl figures. I know they had the Liger and Suzuki kind of had the collaboration figures that came out recently, and then I think when they did the, the Fire Pro game, there was some little New Japan King Keshi, but I don't know. There just doesn't seem to be a huge demand for things like that. They had a Mecha Mummy figure for DDT one time about 20 years ago. <laughs> that exists. <laughs> I have one in my uh, closet that uh, Takagi-san gave me, actually. I remember tweeting one time. I was like, there was a Mecha Mummy figure that came out in 2005, and I want one. Does anyone have one for sale? And Takagi was like, I have one in my office. You can You can just have it. <laughs> That was but probably besides like the peak that, of his, his popularity when he faced Suzuki that match, the Mecha Mummy popularity, the Mecha Mummy craze, I call it. The Mecha yeah, the Mecha, era. the Mecha, the Mecha Mummy boom was definitely around like what, oh five, oh five, oh six, oh seven. Yeah, yeah. Around that time, I'm trying to bring him back. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make him a cultural icon <laughs> once again with Mecha Gaijin. But uh, for me, I mean, I did the. Uh, there's actually one of the Triple uh, Six guys is a Englishman named Lee Burbridge. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Jumbo Lee Burbridge, but he wrestles for Triple Six, and he designed a, a, and 3D printed a bunch of, like, mini Kinkeshi Chris Brooks is that I sold at merch tables a while ago. 
And everyone who saw them, like the other wrestlers and stuff, were like, those are amazing. And I was like, literally anyone could do this. Like, they're not hard to produce, but I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a huge demand for it, at least not in DDT. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, um, some going back to some just questions about DDT this year, I really am curious how you feel about the Sakya Kai retirement uh, news earlier this year. How how have you have have you talked to her anything about having a singles rematch like of your match uh, from uh, a couple of years ago or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a surprise, but kind of not a surprise. I remember even for like the last kind of couple of years she would in conversation constantly bring up that oh, I'm, I'm this old now and hmm, i don't know how much longer i'll be wrestling but a lot of people talk like that in wrestling all the time and you think it's kind of just uh lip service and they're just you know saying saying it to say it or whatever but when she announced that she was uh, going to be retiring i was definitely surprised i think um when i look back at the the four years in ddt and the matches that i've had in ddt definitely the one with Akai is one that stands out to me. Yeah. And I think it would be a shame if there wasn't an opportunity to do it again. I'd definitely like to try and do it again because when we had the first one, I think uh, it was scheduled to be a, a show with an audience and it got changed the week or so before because there was kind of a corona spike that it was going to be a no fans corrigue. So I think um, if she retired and we didn't get a chance to do a singles match in front of an audience, I'd, I'd feel pretty bummed out about it. But uh, her already retirement road is looking very busy and then <laughs> I don't know if things will work out. I'd I'd like to think at some point they could work out. I'd like to at least have another singles before she uh, hangs up the proverbial boots. Yeah, for sure. I, I would love it also. Like and with you now being the KOD Openweight champion, it could open her to have her first challenge for the KOD Openweight. Which would be well, yeah. As, as far as I know, I don't think she's ever challenged for the belt, right? So no, she hasn't. So, but yeah, she. Sakeka is a very busy woman, as we can see that she's now a double champion in the old Japan and the KOD six uh, six man tag champ. So she's busy. Um, I hope that happens before November, though. Uh, how? Uh, what was I? <laughs> if any one of you guys have any questions, sure. I'm talking <laughs> of the the All Japan six man titles. <laughs> um, Hideki Okatani is pretty young, um, and is an aspect of DDT uh, that we as podcast really like is you know as the dojo, the young guys. Um, mm. There, I think they're of an exceptional um, quality. All of them. Where's that coming from? That DDT has this wealth of talent. Um, if I were to say it was coming from anywhere, I suppose at least, kind of in contrast to maybe the rest of the Japanese wrestling world. Obviously, um, well, not the rest of the world, but kind of the traditional style of Japanese wrestling. I mean, DDT wrestlers kind of have at least somewhat of a freedom or a flavor to kind of be who they want to be from the outset rather than 
having to kind of go that road first where it's like the young lions, young boy sort of situation, black boots, black pants. I think they're kind of actively encouraged to show more of their personality from the get-go. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, and then DDT, of course, is like uh, an environment that they're going to be in where they're going to be put into a lot of different scenarios very quickly and you'll have to quickly adapt to them. So maybe that also kind of plays a factor in it. I think if um, if they were only doing Young Lion-esque five-minute matches constantly, maybe it would take... Not um, not in, in th- that in any way is incorrect, but maybe it would take longer for them to be able to kind of show their personality, whereas in DDT you'll debut and then quickly you'll be thrust into wrestling the pheromones and then the next day you might be wrestling the sauna commander and then the next week you might have to do some street wrestling. So I think maybe such a variety of things is thrown at them so quickly while they're also being encouraged to kind of explore who they might be as a wrestler. And I think that might be why um, the kind of crop of young wrestlers coming from the DDT dojo is is strong. Something I also really liked about it is that because they don't have any set rookie gear, they they are able to get more of a like standing with the crowd and fans like more the fans recognize them faster because they have everyone has unique gear and like they they pretty quickly look different from each other and like that it helps a lot to give them like an identity on the card and not just be be running around in black trunks you know sure it's not the one way is right or one way is wrong um, maybe there's benefits uh, and positive points to both, but I think that like you say DDT definitely the young guys debut and kind of immediately from the offset you kind of can get a grasp of who they are. You know, I feel like you're someone. You know, listen to some of your answers earlier. You've always come across to me as someone more vo- motivated, creatively having fun. Mm. That was. That have five star matches, or I'm going to main event WrestleMania on the other end, or whatever. Um, but right now, you are the champion of a company with major backing and a profile. You know, this company literally built their biggest show of the year around your story and your title win. And in many ways, you are the face of the company now to a lot of people. Does that change your perspective a bit now? Like, hey, I do have to be a great champion, a leader of this company. They rely on me to draw not just interest among international fans, but draw houses, create buzz here in Japan, um, which, I mean, for me as an outsider, I, I would argue that your short time as champion, you clearly made a positive impact. Uh, but is it something you think about? Do you care about it? Or is it just no different being champion to you and not being the champion? You're just Chris Brooks and whatever comes, comes. No, yeah, it's definitely something that I'm very conscious and aware of. I felt just for example, with like the uh, the Rio Goku show, um, being in the main event there with Hino, I felt an immense pressure. Like if people don't turn up to that show, I'd have felt like regardless of how the match went, I was a failure because if you're at the top of that mm-hmm. card and then no one comes, uh, you're going to find it hard to not feel some kind of blame in that sense. Um, in in the contrast though to the, t- the, the point of uh, how it's always been kind of about creativity and having fun, it was... Not so much that it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't want to be in those positions and do those things. I just didn't ever think that I would be the person that would be in those positions doing those things. I didn't 
when I started wrestling, you'll often meet people and they'll do interviews early on in wrestling or whatever. And it's like, what's your goal? What's your dream? And they're like, well, of course, my goal is one day that I'm going to go and I'm going to main event WrestleMania. It's like, it's nice for people to have those goals. But for me, that just wasn't ever the kind of wrestler I saw myself being able to be or even necessarily wanting to be like, even when I used to watch yeah. wrestling as a kid. The people that I always gravitated towards were more like the WCW Cruiserweights and stuff. And I was, even at the beginning of starting wrestling, the thing I enjoyed most about when I'd watch Big Japan and stuff would be like the men's club, 10-man tags and things with like Shinobu oh, yeah. and Onryo and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, if I could do that one day and just be like that guy who's in like the opening like fun 8-man tag, like that would be cool. Like that was kind of the self-glass ceiling that I set. Um, and then it's been definitely uh, a big boost of confidence, but a lot of pressure, DDT, deciding that I was the person to be in that position. Because I, di I didn't feel like I should be. Um, but as you said, like even in the short kind of amount of time that, that that's been the case, it seems to, at least for now, have been positive for DDT. I think Rio Goku ended on a really positive note, and I think it's kind of carried forward a different energy since Rio Goku where like I don't know even just the the, the main events and the, the semi-finals of Koraku and shows seem like in, in a different taste than they were in the first half of the year there's a lot of like Hirata oh, in the main yeah. or the semis and things like that or the the even I mean it's because of course the retirement road but like the the Joshi six uh woman tag Oh, that's so good. Main event in the Korokuen show was just such a great choice. That 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 was a brilliant main event, and it felt like a very DDT main event. The same as the uh, Hirata and uh, Yoshiko and Mao three way and stuff like that. So even uh, uh, the costume change being a part of the six months shuffle match at Beer Garden Pro Wrestling every year at the Beer Garden show, the main event is a shuffle between kind of six of whoever the top crop of DDT at the time might be. And it was me and Ueno that actively pushed for it to be the costume shuffle as well, because we kind of just wanted to have more of a DDT taste to it. Like beer garden wrestling is kind of this, everyone gets drunk, everyone has fun thing. It's like, there's a time and a place to have that, that dead set serious six man tag. And we didn't feel like it was there. So we kind of actively pushed to have that costume shuffle as well, because it felt like, well, then you can still have a good match, but it's going to be more of a, a DDT flavor for a show like this where that kind of feels appropriate. So, um, yeah, I think it, to go to your initial question, it's, it's a lot of pressure, and it's a pressure that I didn't particularly ever see myself having, but um, the whole point of being in Japan for me and being in DDT was growth, so it, it's fun to tackle these new challenges. There's a lot of... Now we'll have shows in for example like Aomori or Fukushima it's down to me to be the guy who starts the show with the opening mic in Japanese and closes the show in Japanese at the end and like after match comments and like all these things have just been like positive tests for me it's definitely made me get better at speaking Japanese and more confident so as much as uh, I'm very selfish in wrestling and a lot of it is just uh, whatever's fun to me and interesting and creative um, I've enjoyed especially the last few months kind of since the whole King of DDT thing being pushed out of that comfort zone a little bit oh yeah then if you look at where you were at a year ago it's a stark change you know I think you know last year you weren't really doing a lot in terms of titles or being a big focus of the promotion and, and now that's how things go sometimes in wrestling things move so fast uh, even at the start of the year to now 
and like your profile is just raised exponentially. Like, did, did, was there ever any time where you're thinking, man, I wish I was doing more? Uh, you know, or were you just like I said, like you kind of alluded to, you were just being selfish, just having fun with just you know rolling with the punches, so to speak. I think you need to have that mentality in wrestling a lot because so much crazy stuff always ends up happening. So many ups and downs, and, and God, you've been around for so long in wrestling. There's a million ups and downs that would take us five hours to get into probably uh, in the last you know 16 years. Uh, but you know, compare this year, this time now to this time last year. Were you feeling like, man, am I ever going to get my chance, or were you just not even thinking about that? There's actually there's like two interesting kind of behind the curtain points I can point out um, relating to the question. There was one time, maybe it was like a year and a half ago, maybe where I was feeling like um, I was feeling like I was in good standing in DDT, but I felt like I would never be the person in DDT. And it wasn't necessarily even that I felt that I should be the person. I just felt like I wanted to have a chance at some point to kind of try and prove that I could be that person. And I remember I was drinking with Awayno one time and I was like, I just feel like I'm never going to be that guy in DDT. I feel like I'm always going to be kind of treading water and stuff. And he was like, no, 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 no. You'll, you'll, you'll do it one day. And I was like, ah, but you don't know that. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, you're good and everyone knows you're good. And one day you're like, you'll, you'll be thrown into that position when you least expect it. It's not that you're never going to be that person. It's just that uh, I think he was trying to kind of imply that, like, you're a reliable, good wrestler. You'll eventually get that spot one day, even if you feel like it's miles off and it's not going to happen. And then uh, the next one to that was the even the King of DDT this year when it started. Uh, I was definitely not the favorite at the beginning when they announced all the people that were in it. I don't think anyone really thought that I was going to win or do anything because in most DDT tournaments, I don't really go far or do anything. I did a tweet and it was like two screenshots and it was like two these big paragraphs. It was all in Japanese. But it was along the lines of like, I was saying that, um, of course, like as any wrestler does, every year I go into these tournaments and I say that I'm going to win. I say I'm going to do my best and I'm going to try my best and I say that I'm going to I'm going to win the tournament. And then every year I just don't, I fail round one, I lose immediately or whatever. But like the DDT audience, the entirety of the last four years has been very supportive of me and I've always had like a good connection with the audience here and a good fan base. And in saying every year that I feel like, ah, I'm going to do it this year and then just failing at the first hurdle, it felt like I was lying to everyone, felt like I was being dishonest and I was letting everyone down. And I, I, it was this whole thing, and I, I tweeted out, and it got like over a thousand likes and whatever. And I think that was the first turning point. And then I remember saying after that to Wayne, I was like, I just did this one tweet, and everything changed, kind of at least the perception changed. And he was like, No, it wasn't that you did a tweet. It was you said everything that the people who've supported you the last four years were thinking. Like if you hadn't have had those four years before, you could have said that tweet, and it wouldn't have resonated with anyone. But everyone's watched your whole journey, staying here through the pandemic, and all of these obstacles and hurdles. And that's why, even though it was just saying how you really felt openly, maybe for the first time, that's why it resonated with people so much because they've watched the last four years and they know that they want you to be that person at some point. And then kind of everything switched and changed. Uh, that brings up an interesting point, actually, because it, sometimes when I look at your Twitter and at the the reactions to you during DDT shows and all that, I feel like even though you're the foreigner, you're the kind of for the foreign top top guy in DDT. Even though you feel like that, it's more like they treat you are more over with the Japanese audience. It feels like 
than you are with the English audience sometimes. And I, that is really cool, like that you have come so far that they that the Japanese audience have has embraced you so much as they have. You you see when you tweet in Japanese that th those tweets almost always get like really well interactions from the Japanese audience more than like some other wrestlers in the company gets from the same audience. So it's kind of it, did you ever see see yourself becoming this popular with the, with the Japanese audience and do you know why you're why they are so into you? Uh, I don't think I ever saw it happening necessarily. No. Um but I think the the reason they have such a good connection with the audience here is because it's so earnest and they know uh, a bit through things like the VTRs and interviews that I used to watch DDT when I was a teenager and I've always loved Japanese wrestling. I think they, they kind of have that awareness and understanding of it. Um, in terms of the, the opposite, though, the, uh, the reaction from maybe the, the overseas audience, I think uh, maybe, I, I don't know, perhaps necessarily if, if you, you want to tune in and you want to watch uh, Japanese wrestling, you want to watch Japanese wrestling and you don't <laughs> particularly want to see an English guy <laughs> as the top of the, the, the company that you enjoy. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's different tastes for different people. I, I don't mind if people don't like me. That's perfectly fine. I think uh, I'm sure all three of you have movies, music, and things like that that you enjoy that people think are garbage. So I think the same applies to wrestling. It, it's not a blanket, yeah. and people don't have to like everything. So it, it's fine by me. <laughs> Well, and, and like I said, even, even when you came over, you know, on my other show, Eastern Lariat, I, when you came over, I was probably like, oh, Brit Res guy, meh. But I really yeah, see course you grow, grow. Yeah, you know. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's a preconception, you know, like um, the Japanese style compared to the British style is very different. It's been something yeah. that I've had to really try and um, adapt to, especially and learn over the last three years. So, um, Well, especially, you know, compared that. to... Compared to those, you know, uh, wrestling channel days, you know, I, I remember going back and looking stuff up with like RJ Singh and, and stuff like that. Things have changed so much over the years to where that indie style from America just blew up over there. And, and I really felt like a lot of those guys were kind of like indie wannabes, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm. Um, and, you know, then you see well, a lot of those guys have grown over the years, not just you, but other guys, obviously, Osprey and, and things have really broken out and been just great wrestlers uh but i've really seen you grow over the years with the japanese style becoming more influenced in your style as a wrestler and then kind of bringing back to what we said all the way to start uh those matches we talked about and even the match with lycos last year uh, when you returned to progress if you look at your top rated matches on cage match higuchi lycos lulu pencil they're all very story based and works your 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 mindset those are all very different obviously very different opponents but I feel like you've been able to merge kind of that mindset you always had in the, the attack days and fight club pro days into the more Japanese style. Now that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I, don't... I think what you're saying has truth to it. I think uh, a lot of overseas wrestlers kind of, they have a goal of coming to Japan one day, but they don't necessarily want to adapt to the style, which maybe leads to kind of that sour taste in people's mouths. Sometimes of a, they'll come over and then it's just the tropes that, uh, like you said, the the tropes of somewhere else that maybe you don't enjoy in this different kind of environment or flavor of wrestling, because wrestling is all just flavors, like the American indie flavor or 
the British indie flavour is very different to the Japanese indie flavour or the Japanese major flavour, if you want to call it that, or the American major flavour of like AEW or WWE. So I can completely understand why people have apprehension when there is crossover. And there's even been times now where, you know, guests will come over for DDT and they'll have their like debut match. And I'll just see it now with the kind of more of a perception that I have now of the style here and how things work here. And I'll be like, oh, maybe don't do this next time. Maybe kind of try and do this this way. And I don't like to be, give people advice ever anyway, because I feel like who the fuck am yeah, I yeah. to tell anyone anything? But I, I, I can see it. And then on the uh, converse side, I can understand why if, um, like I say, it's flavors. If, if the flavor of uh, pro wrestling that you enjoy is the Japanese pro wrestling style, it's very different to the style elsewhere. So then if someone comes in and they're going to kind of change that or it's going to be different to what you enjoy because you watch that thing i i get it it's everything's different and um i i understand it from both sides of the coin i think but i have been conscious and i've had to try and adapt to myself because which is probably maybe why you could explain more of a connection with the audience i think i've been conscious of adapting to more of a, a style that resonates with people here Absolutely. You can see it even while you're talking, while listening to you, you really fit into kind of my preconceived notion. We'd never really talked before, but hearing your mind for wrestling, I could see why, like, like things have played out how they have, to be honest. Um, there's one more kind of serious question now that we've talked. I didn't even, I didn't have this written down or anything, but it's kind of got me thinking because I asked uh, both uh, Yannick and Sandre this. I asked my co-host Striga on Eastern Lariat the same question. Uh, that's, I'm going to ask you this now. This is a very interesting question uh, here. Do you, because, you know, like you said, you've been a longtime fan of DDT, obviously, and, and I've watched it longer than a lot of people as well. Do you feel like now, when you compare yourself, because I think a big thing for DDT for a long time was being the company that had such a big foreign star in a Kenny Omega being there to where he wasn't just a star or a great wrestler or whatever he felt like one of the hearts and souls of the company and i think you've kind of got a very similar vibe now uh, not similar in style wrestling wise to him but more so that you feel like the heart and soul of the company is that something you particularly try to to match yourself to where you feel like i am that guy in ddt now compared to somebody like i said you watched him from then do you feel like you're kind of a, a successor in that vein? Again, like, not in the ring per se, but just the heart and soul of the company way. I think, and again, it goes back to like that connection with the audience. I think it, it, it can only come from it being earnest. I think uh, the, the period that Kenny was in DDT and living in Japan and stuff, it was because he really wanted to be here. He was really uh, interested in the uh, kind of otaku culture and Japan in general and like he genuinely wanted to be here he genuinely wanted to learn the language and things like that and I think in that sense maybe in that sense it's a succession to it because for me it's always been the same kind of thing too like I was really from a young age deeply invested in Japanese pro wrestling but especially the indie scene in Japan and not just the shows themselves like i'm sure as you've said before you followed ddt for a long time you're more than aware it's like the shows the obscure indie shows the match shows the basement shows the yeah. the wrestling bars that they have around that wrestlers work at every week like the stanley club and dropkick and things like that it's like being ingrained in all of that like it's very earnest for me it's it's things that i've always dreamed of doing and wanting to do and then 
learning yeah. the language it's just like things like that for me just make every day more interesting it's the the more and more that you can get better at the language the more and more life becomes kind of easy and you can flow with it more and things like that i think all that has to be earnest i think if you just come to wrestle and you have no interest in any of that stuff there's always going to be kind of that barrier that you'll create for yourself between you and the audience in a sense whereas if it's not there maybe that's how you'll form a deeper connection so the comparison gets made sometimes and uh, it's not that um i'm offended by the comparison at all yeah. that would be a ridiculous thing but as you say like me and kenny are very different wrestlers uh, yeah. but the kind of position that we've both slid into in ddt is very similar so i think from that that sense of really ingraining yourself and becoming a member of not just a guest on the shows but becoming just a member of ddt i think yeah like there's a succession feeling in that sense yeah the interesting part of comparing you to Kenny is that it would make Maza into Kotaibushi. <laughs> Which, uh, if me and Kenny are very different, Masa and uh, Kotaibushi would be even more wildly different, I would say. Masa would be down for the fireworks, right? Masa Takanashi has uh, a very storied history of leg injuries both knee and bone just in his uh, shin and his ankle so i i don't think these days massa could even do a leapfrog let alone a firebird spot <laughs> <laughs> i tried to well, sell you on the apartment wrestling coming back brooks no apartment wrestling i'd be all for any street wrestling very much all for um i think a lot of it just stopped especially in ddt because of corona and how difficult things yeah. got but it seems yeah. to kind of be coming back now. We did a show at uh, Izu Grand Pa the other day, which is like an illumination park in Shizuoka. I think and that I, was I rode a zip line, did a car, go-kart thing. That was like with fans again, which was probably the first time since pre-pandemic that we've had a big Rojo show with an audience again. I think maybe the last time was... Yeah, if it's uh, on the usual delay, it should. I think it should uh, be out today. Yeah, I, it should I be saw out soon, it yeah. going to be out today. And I'm really looking forward to watching that because the, all the pictures from it looked amazing. And I'm sure it for was me, a fun time. <laughs> for me, stuff like that's what makes DDT DDT. And uh, yeah. obviously, yeah. Japan especially was a, a lot slower in kind of easing off COVID restrictions. So the idea of being able to do things like that, the like the Rojo stuff again, was, was really difficult. But it seems like more and more now, I mean, Takagi is going to be wrestling Minoru Suzuki soon on the Shinkansen. So... <laughs> Yeah. It seems like those things are going to start filtering back in a lot more now that things are more relaxed, which I'm definitely looking forward to. Well, uh, we've we've been going an hour now. Uh, I think it's time we move over to the Big Bang preview. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got a couple more questions, one of which the people need to know and one to mention I need to know, Chris. Uh, if you don't <laughs> mind, before we move into that. First of all, I know we have a lot of fans. Again, I said many demographics are big fans of yours specifically. I, I see on Twitter. I see, I see your fan base, Chris, and I respect it very much. Who would you say is the best kisser in DDT that you know of? Best kisser in DDT? Yes. Uh, yes. I haven't kissed that many people in DDT, honestly. I think I've kissed okay. probably Takeshi Ueno and Mao on numerous occasions, yep. mostly when drunk. Uh, the the best Drew. kind. Yes. Kiss drew a fair bit, but not a DDT member and technically retired now. Uh, best kisser, uh, Dan Shokudino. Okay, you would shock with that answer. Uh, there, yeah, smooth, good. smooth lip. Since you mentioned, uh, since you mentioned uh, Drew Parker, uh, 
Drew Parker retiring, does that mean that the the best commentary duo in wrestling will not commentate TGBW anymore? If, uh, for whatever reason, your impression of the best commentary duo in wrestling was Chris Brooks and Drew Parker, <laughs> it, it does unfortunately mean that the best commentary duo in wrestling is is no longer going to be uh, appearing. Oh, I, I think I, I, I'm still scheduled to do TJPW commentary. But uh, I never know who it's with. They just kind of pick whoever. So, <laughs> but I think I mean, yeah, Drew, Drew's out. I have fun with them all the time. But Drew and you were like such a good energy because it felt like Drew only watched TJPW when he saw when he commentated for TJPW. Yeah, Drew literally only watched it when he was paid to be there, and he'd arrive at the venue and not know <laughs> what the card for the day was. I would at least try and be considerate and do research and. Even if it was, for example, there was a Corrigan show and then kind of a two-month gap between the next one, I'd kind of study up a little bit on what happened in the two months in between. But Drew, I just would turn up and be like, what's the main event today? What's the matches today? He didn't know most of the wrestlers were, so he had a unique perspective. Oh, yeah. But yeah, a lot of fun memories with you and him on commentary, though. Drew is definitely my favorite person to do the commentary with. Aki's always fun, too. Ash was all right last time. He did, he did, a, he did his best. Yeah, and I, I think that you've, all of you, honestly, have were able to add something to TJP in such a, like, such a strange company to call for. I'm not saying good or bad, but it's not like, you know, you could be completely, you know, technical about, about a company like that. You know, you have to have your own unique flavor and spices. And obviously they have big matches too to where you can get like that. But it's... You know, Pom Harajuku probably is not going to be confusing anyone with Brian Danielson anytime soon. So you have to kind of call it your own way. My general rule of thumb with TJPW commentary is I'll probably have to rein it in at least for the last two or three matches. But prior to that, I can be pretty loose and it's it's not yeah. going to really interfere with anyone's enjoyment of the show. No, if anything, it adds to it, uh, I would say. But I'm going to ask you, you know, I've really enjoyed having you on. And I know Sadre just wants to just slap me right now because I keep asking you these questions. And maybe you do, too. Oh, that's fine. Uh, fine by I'm, me. I've got nowhere to be. Don't worry about it. Me. That's the story of my life right now. Uh, but I'm going to have to ask something that you probably aren't going to like very much at all. And this is the last uh -oh. time. Maybe we can lie and say we'll edit it out. But this is a no softball zone on this show, as we all know it hasn't been so far. But Chris, mm. you gotta you gotta answer. I need to know mostly me, but I'm sure other people care too about this. But I found something out that's so shocking when I was doing a little research for the show about you. If mm. you go to your Wikipedia page, yes. you will see a little note at the bottom, right below your list of accomplishments. It says, and I quote, when wrestling in Japan, his ring name is written in katakana as Kurisu Buruksu with the same katakana that is on your Twitter page as well. That is so correct. did you edit that into your wiki page yourself? No. <laughs> I've never I've never I've never I've never edited anything on my Wikipedia page myself. But one thing I did edit once was maybe not even that long ago. It was like uh two or three months ago perhaps. I went on there uh on the off chance um I think uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they had my they had my real name listed as something like Christopher James something, <laughs> which is absolutely not my real name, and I just deleted it. But that was it. <laughs> it was like Christopher James. I can't remember what the last name was, but my middle name is not James either. 
My first name genuinely is Christopher, but the rest of it was just completely incorrect. I was like, that's not true. But the katakana that was added on there, uh, not me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Okay, I just wanted but to make more, sure. More interesting, far more interesting, at least for me. This was a topic of discussion yesterday um, when I was drinking uh, at Sierra with a certain fellow Englishman who also wrestles over here with more bleached blonde hair than me that will remain unnamed. We were talking about how uh, hometowns on Wikipedia. I found out one time that I'm listed as a notable person from Tipton <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. A population of only. 30-something thousand people, which I didn't know and someone pointed out to me, which I found very funny. And I think he said that he's not on his hometown's Wikipedia, and that became a bone of contention. But notable famous Tiptoner, Chris Brooks. But the Kurisu Baruksu addition to the Wikipedia was not me. Okay, I feel like you judged me earlier for the pegging, and now this, you act like my question's boring. You're not going to get these questions on the other show, Chris. I would never judge anyone for pegging. Start for, for starters, no okay. judgment there. And then Thank the second you. I question. That. The second question. No, just uh, I feel if anything, I've disappointed you that it wasn't me that put it in. No, I'm I'm proud of you. I thought you were you know a corrupt Wikipedia editor trying try to you know big yourself up like some wrestlers are. <laughs> by adding my katakana to the bottom. <laughs> Absolutely, but you've set the record straight, and you were honest, and I believe in you, and that's why you are a notable person from Tipton. That is why I'm a notable person from Tipton. My Wikipedia is very outdated. The picture's old and everything. Because you mentioned it now, I'm checking it. And, and they're missing the first 10 years of your career as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> debut 2007. <laughs> Progress Wrestling 2017 to 2019. The rest of it was just a mystery. Nothing happened. The first 10 years of your career is just a mystery. To be quite honest with you, the first 10 years were quite uneventful, so it's probably better that they're not on there, to be fair. <laughs> That was the first time you came to America for CZW, and it made you want to forget all of it because you don't like. Good America. lord, please, good lord, please, <laughs> don't remind me of the first boy I did for CZW. I remember I was meant to. Oh, fuck, who was I supposed to wrestle? I was supposed to wrestle Drew Gulak on the second show, and then he cancelled because I think he got hurt on a Chikara show or something somewhere else the same day. So they they ended up changing it. It was going to be me and Alexander James, and then because he was also doing double duty and coming from another show. I think initially, like, it was meant to be 21-year-old Chris Brooks and Alexander James as, like, probably the opening match of the show. But we ended up being the semi-main before <laughs> Masada and AR Fox in some death match. And I can tell you that the people in Voorhees, New Jersey, on that day did not want to see Chris Brooks versus Alexander James after already watching 10 professional wrestling matches. And I, I think they just kept calling me uh, George McFly, Marty McFly's dad. <laughs> <laughs> and they booed us quite heavily and it was a pretty shit match as well to be to be fair and i went outside and i sat in the car park very dejected and a very young adam cole came out and he was like don't worry sometimes it just be that it just it just be that way sometimes i was like thank you this is the worst day of my life that's the kind of advice you need to give out to forget about the, the wrestling stuff that's the advice you need it just bees that way sometimes just be like that sometimes. Don't worry about it. And I was like, man, this fucking sucks. I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and you've kept that spirit all these years talking about America. You never want to come here again. I want to do DPW. DPW looks fun. And I like yeah. those guys. I want to do that. Meet the giant besides again. That, hmm? Meet the giant again. Yeah, be reunited with the giant. It's not that necessarily that I don't want to go there. I just, I, I'm very out of the loop. I don't even know really what's going on on the indie scene there anymore. 
You have They're no big. goals like Takeshita to go to AW or anything like that? Uh, not particularly. I think uh, my goals, at least for the time being, still lie in DDT and in Japan. That's kind of where I want to be. And I want to go to more Southeast Asia. I've said that before. That's kind of out there already. I want to go to like Malaysia and the Philippines and stuff. And oh, yeah. I really want to go to India and South Korea and China and things like that. So, oh, that's yeah, that would be awesome. I guess that's last, such a different last year, uh, yeah, last year, me and Massa went to like Thailand and Singapore together, and it's really fun to go over there where kind of wrestling doesn't particularly exist yet. Yeah, there's it's not like oversaturated, there's no kind of preconceived notions of it. It's still very like in its infancy. Yeah, it's fun to go over there and do stuff there. But oh, that's like set up tag champion or something. Still the SPW. Uh, set up SPW tag team champion, yes, of like probably 400 or 300 days at this point with zero title defenses. <laughs> yes, <laughs> 285. Scheduling's the... very difficult. DDT has a very busy <laughs> schedule, so whenever I want to take time off, because DDT has shows every week, if I want to go anywhere to do anything, um, it has to kind of line up with that being convenient for DDT as well, since that's my job. Kind of the same with like the... Uh, I think initially I was offered at least the opportunity to go and do the Chocker Pro UK show for, uh, of course, the Wembley AEW weekend a few weeks ago. But it was like DDT has shows, there's things going on, it's the road to Otaku. Like, I can't really take a week yeah. off and miss things. See, so, like, that always has to factor in too. I remember uh, someone asked me about that when before the Eve Chocker Pro show, uh, while we were just talking and drinking beers and stuff. And a Joshi fan asked me, like, wait, isn't Chris Brooks a regular in Choco Pro? Shouldn't he be here? Isn't he, like, uh, isn't he, he's from England, he should, he, and I was like, they're building to an auto war show, he's, the, he's their actual champion right now, he's their top guy. There's a reason he's not here, okay? He should be here, I wanted to be there, I'm just a little busy, I can't always uh, get time off, especially at the moment. It would oh, be fun I, if you were there, though. I love your point, though, on like the the Southeast Asian countries because I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, it's still uh, it's still growing, it's still super small in places like Philippines, Thailand. But the fans there are so passionate that it appealed to me as a wrestler, even. But even as a fan, you look on there, you see the fans from the Philippines are so passionate about wrestling. Uh, going in there, that's something that has to be like such a, a cool thing to be a part of when you get went to a place like thailand and things like that and people you know all kind of interconnected too. the singapore pro, pro wrestling guys know the philippines pro wrestling guys uh you know jake de leon knows uh you know dr gore and then things like that uh it's just such a cool thing to be a part of for you it has to be yeah like the southeast asia scene now is like really wild there's like such a crossover yeah. between like people like they all kind of work together and they're all kind of pushing themselves together as best as they can with like little means about them at the moment but like they're all doing their best and that kind of like unity and stuff is really nice too i remember when we did set uh set up the first time for in, in thailand me and massa went over there and there was guys over from India, and there was guys over from Singapore, and there was people over from wherever. And it was like everyone's working together and trying to kind of like collectively build these scenes together. Ho Ho was on the Singapore show that we did, and just stuff like that's really interesting. It's really fun. Like it's also kind of like naive and fresh and new that the energy, like you say, is like the crowd yeah. is just so up for anything, which is like such a rewarding thing to do. 
Well, I feel like if I went to America, I'd just be another guy coming over to America when there's tons of guys coming over to America yeah. from Europe or wherever. Yeah. It's not that. Oh, I feel it's totally not that significant a thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Looking through a few of these cards, the best import setup ever did was Hoshitango. What was that, sorry? The best uh, import setup ever did uh, was Hoshitango. Yeah. Hoshitango is a man that gets very tired walking around Thailand, let me tell you that. But a great barbecue. Runs a real, <laughs> real strong barbecue. None of these two things surprise me. You ever but get a chance doing to eat Tango's honey mustard chicken? Give it a go. <laughs> You're speaking uh, to me still, as a big fan. He still wrestles for. Uh, uh, he, he still wrestles um, for Hino's group, I believe, semi regularly. The uh, only we shows when they do those. Cool. To honestly um, answer your question, <laughs> yeah, we have reached a point where we talk about that. So Hoshi can... Tango shut the, the show down for a second there. We all went silent. Yeah. <laughs> everyone went silent. I, I think everyone expected a more interesting answer. What's Hoshi Tango up to these days? We're still wrestling for Hino sometimes. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. You, you need to stop blaming yourself for everything, Chris, right now. You didn't do it. You're just I hanging did not. out. Let's uh, move over to this show that we are previewing on this episode, happening on the 9th of the 9th, uh, 9th of September, this Saturday, from Tokyo Ota City uh, Ward, Ota Ward Gymnasium. You are in the main event. Uh, sure am. Your third match with Shigehiro Irie in your third country meeting each other. Your first match was in England in 2019, and mm. then your second match was in Germany in 2019 in WXW. Mm. So, we'll start with this match, the KOD Openweight title match. Your first defense, how, how are you feeling about this match? How, are you, not, not to ask, are you prepared, but how... When this match was first, when uh, when Iria first came out to challenge you after you beat Hino, how did you feel about this being your? Let first me quickly match? before I answer, run to the fridge. One moment, please. <laughs> Very important. Yes, September 9th, me and Irie, uh to the last point that you made of how did I feel when it came out? I felt very uh, surprised, but uh, excited. I think. Um, I didn't expect Irie to be the first person to challenge me for the belt after winning it, but uh, especially as I'm sure Dylan's probably most aware, uh, Irie, very rich history with DDT, former multiple-time KOD Openweight Champion, many classic big singles matches, especially in Korokun Hall, the likes of Kenny and Harajima. So for me, uh, it's a good chance. I think the story and the narrative, at least, of my King of DDT to Ryogoku kind of run ran deep with that feeling of like respect for DDT and the history of DDT kind of training with Kudo beating Harashima and then even taking Harashima's Sumato into the, the title match with Hino at Ryogoku. So I think to get the chance to wrestle someone who was so predominant and important to DDT's history who isn't around anymore is very uh, exciting for me. I remember the moment when it changed you very vividly as I you know, set in the upper ranks of Rikoku. And obviously, I didn't understand the promo 
Um, I didn't understand what you guys were saying, but uh, when he came out, I was very excited. Obviously, a big fan of Irie. And I saw that he wore his um, 16 karat gold shirt. And I think I was looking up on Twitter um, what you know, live translation um, of what was said. And, his, mm. and his point being like, yeah, like this year I won the tournament too and became champion. So, you know, let's, let's fight it out. And I was marking out because... Um, yeah, I was there in Oberhausen uh, watching uh, Iria become champion uh, for WXW, watching him win 16 karat gold. Um, that was a, a really special moment for me. And, and I would just wish, like, I could have shared it at the moment. But, right. you know, left and right, there were all these <laughs> Japanese women. Uh, you couldn't express to anyone for, around like, you uh, how exciting that was for you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm ca- I'm aware that I'm the weird foreigner there, so I don't need <laughs> it to <laughs> to make it more obvious. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for for this meeting. Yeah, like you say, there's lots of like uh, crossover points of connection. We wrestled in 16 karat a few years ago. That was our second match together, and then I was very uh, vocal and helpful when Irie first came to. Uh, England in trying to get him onto more shows. I think I, I got him on attack shows and I got him into Fight Club Pro and things like that. So we've got a long history together that maybe people are unfamiliar with, but we go back quite a long way together and we've been very close, or at least we were for a year or two when he was really frequent in England and Europe. So uh, definitely kind of like different paths, but similar paths at the same time that he left DDT and went over to explore more of Europe and America and stuff like that. I was leaving England and going to cut my teeth in japan so it's kind of parallels but opposite so i think it's very interesting i think we're both very different wrestlers from 2019 so something i'm very much looking forward to and a pretty big venue for your for for your first defense and for you and the area to face like i was expecting your first defense to be the like second cork in of august or something but mm. then this them holding out now to Oath Award, it, it it makes sense. It's it's really cool for Eerie. Yeah, Oath to Award too. Her. Like Oath Award was the first building that I had a DDT big show in when it was me and Massa against Moonlight Express in June two thousand June or July two thousand nineteen. That was kind of the first really big DDT show that I got to do. And then obviously periodically over the last four years, DDT's constantly gone back to Otaku. So definitely a big venue for me too. And feels kind of like in that sense when you consider that my first ever big DDT show was Otaku and that was when I came out and faced off with Takeshita for the first time after he beat Endo. feels kind of nicely full circle that now my first title defense will be in the same building. Yeah, uh, pretty exciting uh, about that. I want, uh, when we're done previewing this show, I want to talk more about your potential uh, challengers to have after Iria if you manage to defeat them, but we'll talk more about that after we've covered the rest of this card. Sure. Uh, we're, we're not going to talk that much about all of these matches, but the match before you and Iria, uh, the semi-final, yep. the DDT Extreme and Iron Man Heavy Metal title match, all humans are equal, Kosuke Hirata deathmatch, Kasugi Hirata, the extreme champion, defending his title versus Naharuki Doi, the Iron Man heavy metal champion, who is also defending his title 
first of all, I want to ask, how, how have you, how does Naruki Doi come off when you talk to him backstage in DDT? Doi-san? Yeah. He's nice. He's, he seems nice. <laughs> From as, at least what I can decipher, he's a nice guy. Because I, I he's weird. Fast, like, I never expected him to be so into DDT as he has been this past, like, half year. I think he's been a very interesting addition to DDT. I'm actually quite excited to see, uh, as you say, like in the semi-final, at least. Yeah, this uh, should be. Determining how the card layout looks like. I'm interested to see kind of Doi-san get into that that, that next gear. There was kind of a taste of it when we did Shinjuku face shows previously, and there was the the three-way with uh, Doi-san and uh, Ueno and uh, Sasaki. Previously, but I think uh, I I think honestly uh, to your question, I don't think we've really seen a good use of Doi's full potential yet in DDT. So I think it'll be interesting to see him in sort of this high-profile singles position on a DDT big show, especially with someone like Hirata. Of course, there's kind of that Torimon crossover feeling as well, and Hirata as well. I think I'm just looking at the show card now, and I think. DDT right now is kind of comprised of unlikely champions, which is interesting. <laughs> like, in all the title matches, it's kind of the people you wouldn't expect to be. Like, Hirata has the extreme belt. I have the care of the openweight belt. Akai and Sakaguchi and Okatani are the, the six-man champions. And even Oishi's tagging with Hina now as the tag champions. Like, it kind of goes against the grain of what the most obvious choice would be. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a big a big match for the Dramatic Dream Dragons. Um, it's hilarious if you uh, when you see Doi uh, being paranoid about losing the the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Champion on the Dragon Gate shows. It's a risky um, belt. It's a risky belt to have. I've had it, I think, two or three times, and it's it's yeah. not a pleasant experience. Especially if you're around like a Takashi Yoshida. It also weighs nothing. There's, <laughs> I can tell you now, there's nothing lighter in this world than the Iron Man Heavy Metal Age Championship. It's like a sheet of paper. The weight of some of these title belts is, is very interesting. Like, um, I think the weight of the KOD belt is, I can tell you, very heavy. Transporting that around is a real pain. <laughs> it, it looks like a heavy title. It's a very heavy belt. I've had the extreme belt, I've had the universal belt, I've had the Iron Man, and I've had one half of the tag belts. And the KOD open way is definitely the heaviest of the bunch. <laughs> the Isaac's Infinity Championship is really high, uh, heavy. I can imagine. And the open weight comes with a weird uh, caveat about it as well that you have to hold it a certain way every time in photos, or the staff yell at you. It's like supposedly a, a correct way to hold it up. I got corrected. I'm looking at the card now, and I remember taking this picture backstage at Korokun. And I held the belt the other way first, and they were like, no, that's wrong. Turn it around. And I was like, what, what, what does it matter? I've never heard about this. This is amazing. It's, it's, got a, it's got a DDT like metal clasp on one of the ends of the straps, and they want that to be in the photos, even though you cannot see it in the uh, match graphic. So they're very particular about it. Uh, okay, I, I've never noticed that at all. I'm looking at the title. Uh, I'm lo- looking at you holding the title right now. And find a just regular picture of the belt on the one side, the right side on the bottom. There's like a metal clasp thing at the very end of it with another DDT logo on, and mm, they, yeah. they they make sure that you hold it that way or they shower you. 
I was like, I want to hold it the other way. And they were like, mm, no, do it the right way. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this Extreme title match, uh, Extreme and Ironman Heavyweight title match. Everything what? Hirata's done lately has been yes. very entertaining. So Yeah. Yeah. For sure, a highlight of DDT the past couple of months, along with your, yourself. Then we move over to a KOD six-man tag titles and All Japan TV six-man tag title match. Mm. Yuki Sakaguchi, Sake Kai, Hideki Okutani of Eruption versus Yuko Miyamoto, Isami Kodaka, and Ram Kaichao. So this should be a... I don't know what to expect from this. I, I, I've loved when Hideki Okutani just didn't know who Junkie 2 Kenji was. <laughs> it was. He, he soon so found funny. out about Beer Garden Progress. If you've not watched it yet, I mean, you'll see it later, but fucking Miyamura gave him a hellacious fire thunder off the stage, I guess you would call it, in Ueno, through a table into a paddling pool, and I thought he broke his neck. Yeah, what, what, that, that, that clip made rounds. What show did that happen on? Uh, the uh, second day of the Ueno Beer Garden. Him and uh, Miyamoto had a singles tables match. The one that oh. might be going up today. And uh, yeah, in the end, Miyamoto decided to just end Okutani's life. Okay. I, I definitely uh, definitely will watch that match before uh, the show on sa- uh, Saturday. Um, yeah. But yeah, I... Wild, I... Wild, the wild card yeah. is definitely Ram Kaicho here. And we'll we'll see what she brings to the table. Um, as long as as long as uh, Sake Kai tr- like tries to to kick her and just you know kick over her because she's too small, so I'm happy. Certainly got their work out for them. Have eruption. I mean, across the board in that match, giving up experience advantage to everyone. I think Rams on what now? Her anniversary, sixteen, seventeen years or something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Another one, teenage wrestler re- represent right now. Coming yeah, up. definitely more experienced than uh, Okutani, and then Miyamoto and Isami collectively much longer careers than uh, both Sakaguchi and Akai. So interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, then maybe we still current Gampro champion as well, right? Yes, he is. Uh, he is actually defending the title the day after. Uh, versus Yumito Iwanari. No, wait, that is it. No, 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 Tominaka, right? Or oh, Tominaka was. Tominaka was recently, I think. But the, I, mean, I have... think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. I'm they, quite behind too, so. They have set up Yumihito Iwanari versus Isami Kodakuman, but I, well, I looked at the date and saw the tent, and I immediately thought, oh, it's happening the day after this. But then I saw, oh, wait. The first of the, of the tenth, so it's in October. But yeah, ah, uh, gotcha. Then uh, the KOD tag title match: Yuji Hino and Makoto Ishii making their first defense versus Minoru Fujita and Kanon of Damnation TA. Yeah, um, I remember when Kanon's teased Takamichi Noki being his tag partner. I was very, <laughs> I was, I was like, oh. Okay, I I really like Takamichi Noki versus Mao, so I could probably like this a lot. But yeah, Minoru Fujita, he he is a an, an acquired taste, mm. a taste I haven't I haven't been that acquired with for a year now. But 
I'm, Did you see I, his uh, his recent freedoms match? The barefoot match? No, not the uh, barefoot and the title match with uh, oh, but, was it Hirata before that? Yes, I I did see that, and I thought that was pretty pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoy. I really enjoy. Quite to the taste, I think that would change your opinion somewhat. I really enjoy him whenever he's not damnation. That's that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I hate everyone in damnation, so feel free. Oh, see, so you, you're winning more points with me as time goes along, Chris. I, I, I hate all for damnation, so go wild. That, do do you know if he's still friends with uh, Hidaka? Uh, Fujiya-san. Yeah. I don't know, but there is. A, I have a notes app in my phone of like uh, wrestling goals or like dream things that I still want to do. And at one point, I really do want to still try and do CDK versus uh, Hidaka and Fujita. Yeah. There you go. That's a that's a good thing right there. The, those were my boys back in the day. That's a back of guys in future aim. Putting it yeah. out to the universe. But probably an expensive one, so. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, that's the current wave tag team champion they're talking about, Tidaka. So, you know, he is a busy man. After he's all. very busy these days. I see he's always doing triple six as well. Yeah, he's, a, he's a, an emperor. Like, he, he faced Fujita Jr. Auto earlier this year. Emperor started bringing in Abe, right? Ori, yeah, they had the Korokin match. They gotta get someone in there who can uh, withstand getting the shit kicked out of them by Hayato. I don't think a lot of people would. I, I actually thoughts on Fujita Junior. Hayato. Do you want to face him? Uh, I actually the time that I wrestled for CZW in two thousand and thirteen. If you've seen it or uh, ever care to research it. You will see that I am wearing velvet, uh, crushed velvet, black and purple biker shorts, which I stole from uh, Fujita Junior Hayato because I really enjoyed him at the time, and especially the stuff he was doing with uh, Koji Kanemoto in New Japan. But uh, I don't uh, want him to yes, hit me. Yes, yes, Brooks. Why? I love. I never imagined you would bring <laughs> that up at all. But I, I love it. Absolutely love this. But I can tell you that when I did do the uh, Space War for Michinoku Pro back in December, Fujita Junior Hayato bought uh, McDonald's burgers for everyone backstage. So I respect that. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Which you probably weren't expecting to hear, but yes, four or five big bags full of chicken uh, fillets and cheeseburgers. Nice. Uh, then a special tag team match. Kunosuke Takeshita won a week after defeating Kenny Omega at All Out. He's back in DDT and he's teaming up with Daisuke Sasaki to face his former faction mates in Yuki Ueno and Mao. Sona Kamina explodes. I wouldn't be shocked if this match happens later on in the show and it's just the dramatic DDT's layout of the card has it here as the fifth match. It's wrong, but uh, we, we don't know. Uh, I am very into this story of Konosuke Tegarishna being against uh, 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 Sona Kamina and teaming up with what has uh, what has been his worst enemy of the past like three years, Daisuke Sasaki, to do it. Yeah, I hope Ueno and Mao slap some uh, sense into Takeshita. He's acting like a real shithead lately, and teaming with Sasaki is just a terrible choice, so... 
I hope the sauna Kamina uh, can whip Take back into shape. He's been in incredible form in America, but la- last time he was in DDT, he was a fucking tool. So, <laughs> you want, yeah, maybe. Do you want to hear my 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 fantasy booking here? I want Takeshita to form Damnation Gold and take all the Damnation people with him to AEW. Would you be on board with that? So I don't have to watch them. You want to see some MJ Paul versus Luchasaurus on Collision? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, what a... Your your dream is your dream, and I support you. (laughs) <laughs> what a booker you, you've come up to be. You've revealed yourself to be. But listen, to catch the... I feel Not like me. Just... I didn't suggest that. I'm just going with what the obvious choice would be. I mean, if Damnation okay. go to AEW, you, you got to have Luchasaurus, MJ Paul, maybe Cannon versus, I don't know, J- Jungle Boy. He's not Jungle Boy anymore, right? Oh, it's Hollywood. Hollywood. Thanks, yeah. Hollywood. He's actually suspended. That's his... Oh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. He's not allowed. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not him. Then we can have Cannon and uh, Luther. Uh, Luther. <laughs> there you go. Fujita and Luther. Maybe they have some kind oh, of no. FMW crossover. <laughs> there you go. See now, now you've got that at some point. You've got the gears turning, Brooks. I, I like this. I like your ideas. But th- don't you think that Takeshita? He's going through an emo phase right now. And I mean, I've Ma- been living that for 20 years. Mao also has been recently going through an emo phase. There's two yeah, emo boys in that much. We and can't call it an, an emo phase because the cash does taste the music has greatly diminished in, since he's in the States. Since I saw uh, the Takeshita and Omega match, Takeshita's at least kind of, he seems to be progressively at least moving out of his emo phase. At first, he got a, a black coat, and I was like, oh, that's definitely a teenager acting up. <laughs> but now he's yeah. got a red coat, so. Ah, that, that's the growth that you talked about for yourself as well. It's kind of the opposite, just from Japan to the West instead of the West. To He's Japan. in his black parade phase at the moment. At first, he was just like, <laughs> I'm going to get a leather jacket and I'm going to be dark. But now he's like, no, I'm going to get a red jacket. Okay. okay. Spice well, things up a little he's, bit. He's very de- dedicated. I remember him doing press conferences in the black leather jacket in Japanese July. So I don't like I his jacket. It. I'll say that outright. Not no, a fan. no. <laughs> Excuse you, sir. That would be the Killjoys phase, going from the black to the red, as well. Right now, so <laughs> we, we have. I I will correct any kind of slander against Mike and Paul Romance on the show. My, apolo- my apologies. Right my apologies. Feel- I was always more of a from first to last boy than my Chemical Romance. So. Okay. Okay. It's Do you feel like- Chemical Romance anyway? Do, do you feel like though, just for you, have you ever had any kind of aspersions? Not that you didn't do it in England, but to be like a darker character, uh, you know, obviously, maybe not an emo gimmick, because that's kind of what I did <laughs> for a long time, but more like a, a like a true heel bad guy type of character. Dark um, I, feel, I feel like if I ever wanted to go Dark Brooks, it would mean entering Damnation, and I simply shall not. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> no, so at least until Damnation's gone, I'll, I'll, I'll stay squeaky clean. Okay, okay. <laughs> Back to the match. Um, Ueno and Mao beating up Takeshita and sending him back to the States would be... I hope so. I don't like Shuma, but when uh, Shuma got his crutch kicked out of him, even I felt a little bit bad for him. Yeah, yeah for sure. Your heart uh, grew yeah. three times its size. Would that happen? The Shuma one was definitely, 
at Ryukoku, it was definitely the handshake heard around the world. <laughs> that kiss Mao and people lost their minds. Yeah, Twitter went crazy. I, I saw some uh, some people go very crazy over that kiss. <laughs> so yeah, it was so funny. There was no there was no deep meaning behind it. Mao was just trying to be uh, emotionally uh, supportive in English. And then the way I thought funniest to counteract what he was saying was to tell him to just kiss me in Japanese. <laughs> so if you watch it back, like, there's a period before where Mao's like, no, you've really been like my dad these last three years. I really appreciate everything you've done for me. You've looked after me. And then I just went, yeah, chuste, which in Japanese is just, yeah, kiss me. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Oh, I, I, I need to tell some people that. <laughs> you know your fan base, Brooks. I told people you from ready. the beginning. I was emotional. I was happy. I was glad that my shoulder hadn't dislocated again. So it was <laughs> equivalent to being it was equivalent to being like six beers deep in the karaoke bar. At which point, anything goes. It felt the same in the ring. Then the fourth match, uh, first time in history, time difference, scramble, bunkhouse, current blast. Six-man tag death match: Atsushi Onita, Yoshitatsu, and Toi Kojima versus Sanjiro Takagi, Yunakiyama, and Yusuke Okada. Toi Kojima what? just getting thrown out of these <laughs> bunkhouse blast matches, and I love it. What a trio! Where else in the world could you ever hope or expect to see the 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 trio of <laughs> Yoshitatsu, Atsushi Onita, and Toi Kojima? I just want to say. And I want to remind you of something, Sandre. On the last episode, you threatened me that this would be the main event over the title. And I, I think you need to come clean now. That, that That's not true. It will Sandre, not be the is main that event. true? Is that what you said? I, I, that was what I read on Dramatic DDT. I was very afraid. If that was the case, I'd walk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Thank you. Dramatic DDT had it as their la- at, as the last match on the show on their write up about the the card, and I was like, "What are you guys doing? This can't be real." They have fixed it now. Now it's the fourth match. Thank they goodness. Get him big leaked by Toy Kojima. Toy Kojima, the real main event. Exactly. I, and who can blame them? Who can blame them? <laughs> or even worse, by Yusuke Okada. If Kojima wants oh. the main event, I'll give it him. Take it. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah, that's I, 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 explosion match is absolutely bizarre. I don't think anyone had that on their bingo card. No. No. Not even Akiyama. <laughs> Not even Akiyama. But I hope he turns up in jeans. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> oh. a, a staple of uh, explosion death matches that you have to wear jeans. I want to see jeans Akiyama turn up. See, if we get this Akiyama, I want Jeez, to see. Akiyama. <laughs> uh, if we get get this Akiyama, I also want to see like the Virgin Killer uh, Akiyama. The what killer? Virgin Killer. Bring in. Uh, what's his name? I'm so bad. Um, you look like Hikaru Sato. Yeah, exactly. Bring in Hikaru Sato. In this, uh, like weird, white get up. Um, oh, the YMZ getup. Maybe he'll be a second in his YMZ getup. <laughs> Just thank awesome. God Yannick's not there to send me any more of his pictures. He <laughs> was live. Well, Chris, yeah, it was know. hilarious. Um, I was at the YMZ show, and the main event was Big Ten Man, and you know, like half the uh, half them were like, 
uh, wearing those those feathers. Um, not more than half. I the think the only one. Yeah, exactly. And I think like the only ones that weren't uh, wearing one were um, Kengo Mashimo, who wore well, a normal sweater. And Hikaru Sato um, seems to have his uh, beef with Akiyama at the moment with the All Japan Suwama Akiyama crossover. But Hikaru yeah, Sato exactly. himself, former former KO the Openweight Champion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he needs to lighten up and get the uh, the wool dress on and just uh, come and enjoy the dramatic <laughs> dream. And Yonayama, she wore a Doraemon uh, cosplay, which fits. Please call Yonayama-san by her correct name, uh, henceforth, of Otaku-chan. <laughs> yes, Tsukiban Ichiban. That's her real name. Tsukiban Ichiban. <laughs> Uh, if no one's using that hashtag already, they should. That's great. Rolls yes. right off the tongue. <laughs> but the, the funny part about that match was uh, Chie, um, you know, doing rings ringside duty during that match, and the disgust on her face. Yeah, poor Chie. Chie is too pure to be bearing yes. witness to things like that. That's that's unacceptable. Maybe that's a future back of Gaijin get. I always kind of wanted to... We did a CDK reset the one time. I wanted to have a singles match with Yonayama. Maybe I'll try and instead book for a back of Gaijin show in the future. Uh, Otaku-chan. Maybe you can find out for us who Bingo is. We can get the Skiban back of Gaijin crossover. Yes! <laughs> Which one is Bingo? We don't, we don't know. know. It's like the only person we don't have no clue about. Is Bingo the clown? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I have an idea of who that might be. Yeah, well, if you have Let's ideas. Let's talk about that all fair. <laughs> very curious. Uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, no, match number three. Fairmonts versus subjugation. Final match. Special singles match. The last match. time ever. Maybe the yeah. end. Maybe the end. The Dissolution Contra Vice pe- President, Yuki Sexy Ino, with Danjiku Dandidino, of course, versus Akito. Well, I am rooting for Akito. In that uh, one, I'm rooting for Akito, because he's a very good Vice uh, President. He's a very good at uh, his job. <laughs> he's the- a very good wrestler, too. I, I've always considered him very underrated. Uh, Akito is an amazing wrestler. Yeah. Specifically an amazing technical wrestler. But yeah. Also very good at his vice president job. And if I had the choice of which one stays, the pheromones or Akito as the vice uh, president, I would definitely pick Akito. I mean, yeah. I, I'd rather believe that we saw the last uh, Iger versus Sakura Hirota match than, this, than that this is the last Akito versus pheromones match. You would rather, you would rather which? You, do, you want more Akito pheromones? No, but <laughs> I, I believe you will see more. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we'll see more. I don't know. They've said it's the last. They've very heavily stressed that this they is also said, the last They also conflict. said it's the last Iger versus Sakurai Roto match. Twice. I mean, that's not going to... Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> Onita's on the show and he retired in 1995. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, I don't like this implications that wrestlers lie. Okay, that's not something I like hearing right now on the show. Uh, I got some bad news for you, Dylan. Yeah, especially <laughs> after almost two hours of talking with the wrestler. It would be bad to have the implication of a wrestler lying. In the last two hours, I think I've been quite open and truthful. 
Yeah, see, he even admitted he didn't edit the Wikipedia page. That's the Except biggest lie. That, that, that was the biggest lie. Uh, that was okay. completely me, yeah. But Just as I suspected. No, it was not. It was not. That was a joke. I did not edit the Wikipedia. Next match. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're doing a podcast for half a year with Dylan, who was a wrestler. You should know better. <laughs> It's just two people lying at each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's wrestling in a nutshell, pretty much. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Uh, ma- match number two, uh, Harajima, Kazusara Kos- Higuchi, and Soma Takao versus Yuki Onaya, Yuya Kuruku, and Takeshi Masara. This match looks very fun for me. Like it, A lot of these people are people I be- I'm very into. So I, should, I would yeah. have a lot of fun with this. It's interesting. I don't feel like there's any connection point between really any of yeah, the people. It's a very game. random match. <laughs> it's a very random six-man tag. But it'll probably be very good. Yeah, it's one of the better outcomes of just throwing six people at a wall and look what sticks. You've got Harashima in it, and he's literally good in anything. And then you've got Higuchi, who is also literally good at anything. Same, really. Like, Naya recently has really been stepping up, too. So much yeah. cow when he goes is great. And then you've got Masada and Koraku, two of the most promising young talents in DDT. So it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Interesting. Definitely looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Uh, Usually there's more of kind of like a common theme running through the teams of members who are in units together, but it's a real mixed bag. Higuchi from Harimao, Harashima Disaster Box, Koroku Burning, Naya kind of loose affiliation to uh, Omega, Takao, no technical affiliation Where right now other than to Irie, and then Masada, who is kind of my son only. That's his, <laughs> that's his notable point. Yeah, uh, Soma will do his one-person-only Team Drift reunion. <laughs> a very lonely Team Drift reunion. Uh, you've clearly taken a liking to Takeshi Masara. You can, you, you can see it on, on, on screen, and I, I definitely see why, because he's a... He's just so weird, isn't he? Is he not the most perfect DDT young boy? I feel like yeah. he's got the most DDT heart out of any of the young guys. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's also a like weirdo. a combination of Daisuke Sasaki and uh, Kanosuke Takeshita. Yes! Uh. When he first... Uh, I remember being in Shinjuku face when he was first introduced to people before a show. And it was like, these are the new trainees. And I was like, oh, he looks just like Takeshita. It's like baby Takeshita. Because at the time, I think Takeshita had first or just gone to America. And I was like, oh, it's fine. This new guy is here now. This can be new baby Takeshita. And then I remember for about two or three months, I would speak to him exclusively in Japanese. And then Andrew the Giant Everett came over. And I think he was uh, staying in the DDT young guy's house or in the, the, the dojo house, or at least he stayed there for a day or two. And I remember talking to him afterwards and he was like, oh, uh, that young guy, Masada, his English is amazing, eh? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, his English is like flawless. <laughs> and then there was a Gampro Otaku show and Takeshi was there uh, Takeshi Masada was there making the ring and I was like do you speak English and he was like oh yes and I was like why have you never spoken to me in English before until now and he was like I thought it would be rude <laughs> that is that is awesome to hear cool. yeah he's got flawless English and for the first three months he only ever spoke to me in Japanese who else on the DDT roster has like surprisingly good English uh, looking at this card in front of me right now, uh, Mao, 
has really good English. Ueno has pretty good English. Um, Yoshitatsu. Presumably. I've never spoke to him, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> he, has he was an English, English commentary, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yoshitatsu, probably. Uh, Antonio Honda. And... Not That's Masa. about it. Yeah, not Massa. No, his English yeah. is rubbish. Oh, Uni's quite good because he's uh, in school at the moment still. So uh, they study English in high school in Japan. No, Saki. Who? Oh, Akai. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she tries. We're just trying to farm future guests for the show right now. From yeah, that, that's honest. actually... Uh, that. That is actually the goal. Uh, if you want someone who could be a feasible guest, Ueno, Mao, Masada, that's about it. Anyone else, you'd probably Very struggle. <laughs> but yeah, uh, one the last match on, uh, or the last match we haven't covered, probably the dark match, but it is the opener. Masahiro mm. Takarashi, Antonio Honda, and Illusion yes. versus Yune, Kazuma Sumi, and Rukia. So. Honda and Masahiro Takanashi and a bunch of rookies. <laughs> the CDK Yasuero's collaboration and a bunch of rookies. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, interesting. I think uh, Masada and Honda are both two very unselfish wrestlers who are very interested in mm. bringing the best out of the people they're in the ring with. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Illusion, very interesting. Uni too. I think Illusion and Uni both, they're very young and uh, not yet... Um, really come into themselves, but they're both very interesting. Rukia is, of course, the most fresh DDT young guy with Sumi maybe right behind him, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes, um, and I'm interested to see who steps up in that one. I think Uni's got a very bright future. He's only still, what, 15, 16? So, ridiculous. And even Illusion's like 21. Yeah. What's the deal with Illusion? He doesn't wrestle that much on... Uh... Compared to the others, uh, I think the same even with uni though. They're kind of they're both still I think in education, so they have okay. alternating weird schedules where sometimes I think they're uni, uni wrestles much more than him though. Mm, potentially, I think DDT's got so many young people now; it's hard to get everyone on every show as well. Still, I don't think no, there's anything gotta... particularly <laughs> unique about Illusion that means he's oh. not on more shows. Not yeah, in a... uni. Just had his not that he's not interesting. Uh, yeah, I think mm, Uni's technically way senior to Illusion in terms of uh, mm. career length. So perhaps that I know Rukia was injured for a while too, so he was off things. Plus, we got to respect the teen wrestler crew, which we're, we're a part of as, as well. Anybody who started DDT, so yeah, DDT, right. The now dead, defunct DDT. <laughs> yeah. How, how yeah. many people did come out of DDT? It's Uni, um, Illusion, and Mune. Yeah. Mm, Munetatsu Nakamura from Gampra. So three, I think. Is I amazing. mean, Uni was in DDT before DDT. So yeah, I don't know if you can technically count him as coming from DDT. <laughs> when he took off the mask, I knew that he was going to be a big star. Just off his look. He, he has such a baby faced look that I know. They are going to see Ueno money in him in the future. Well, have you seen Baby Baby, Uni? Uh, when he was a kid, you mean? When he was doing the trampoline stuff and stuff? No, when he was resting in DDT as yeah. a child. 
a yeah, I, five, ten man champion. Or five man champion. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I tagged with him one time in Osaka. <laughs> I made him do a middle finger and everyone yelled at me. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link, Sondra. I'll send you a link. But yeah, uh, that was this show. That was the DDT Big Bang full card. I am really looking forward to the show as a whole, but I'm like, you and Iria is definitely the, the match I'm most looking forward to on this show. Looks like a fun show. There's something for everyone there, I feel. Brooks, let me ask you something. All right, well, hey. it's more so some adv- advice. Um, sure. Shoot. Use the Carolina Reaper. Bring back, you want to talk about one-man reunions with Soma, the one-man Dream Futures team reunion in the main event. Bring back the ghost of his past. Respect Keisuke Ishii. What a great wrestler. And if you do it, I know you'll think of you were thinking of me. Keisuke Ishii is great. Yeah, awesome yeah. wrestler. Like, very talented. The first ever deal, we had a singles match together, but it's the only time I think we've ever wrestled. We maybe had a six-man or a tag sometime in between, but I'd definitely like to have a singles with him again. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's another oh, we did the guys. we did the uh, Takanashi had a produce show and we did the drift uh, and it was meant to be me Honda and Drew and then Drew pulled out and it ended up being Watase instead. That was like yeah. a year and a half or two years I ago Shinjuku face show. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be me Drew and uh, Honda against Ishii, Takao, and Irie, and then Drew got hurt like. Two days before or something, I think he impaled his foot with a light tube, so he got switched out for Watase. But I love wrestling Ishii. Ishii's great. You look at... Uh, I remember, I just recently I watched uh, him and Irie, I think, KOD title match again. And fuck. Oh. What a crazy match. Oh, Ishii. yeah. Oh, he's a guy that, when I watch him, he's another one of these guys. I kind of think Akito's the same. Sato, we mentioned earlier, I think is one of the best. Like, just mm. everything... Ex- like execution wise, like his footwork and just even the way he runs the rope is so clean and good. Uh, like Ishii always struck me as like a total pros pro. Yeah, pros pro. There's a bunch of people like that who like maybe you don't see around or as busy or as often yeah. as you'd like to, and it's like why not? And I feel the same about Haganeshino as well. I think he's mm. just oh, oh my OG insane. favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madoka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Back at the men's, he was in men's world. You mentioned that earlier. He was in he men's club. Yeah. The match that him and Yuki had at the uh, Lasabaka Gaijin blew my mind. They beat the shit out of each other. I thought me and Yuki had a pretty good match together. And then I watched Hagane and Yuki, and I was like, fuck, he's so good. They're both so good. Yuki, too, is just fucking insane. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. Great wrestler. Uh, Yeah, um, if you defend your title successfully against Irie, something we all Mm. hope for here, who do you want to defend the titles for? Who are the the, the goals to, uh, to defeat for the title? Mm, for me, at least, I don't know. They're two of my best friends, so it made sense that at the end of Rio Goku, they'd kind of be the last people in the ring with me. But it, in the ring at the end, it ended up being me and Ueno and Mao together. And we are, like, very close outside of wrestling. And I think objectively, when I look at the just the card now in front of me and, like, the people on it, for me, Ueno and Mao, those two are DDT's future. So I think either of those would be a real treat. And I'd like to see I'd like to see either of them kind of get that 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 push up again. I mean Ueno's kind of been a challenger or been in finals of tournaments, but not yet. And then Mao is kind of he had the recent story with the universal belt with the endo, but I think 
the last time he challenged for the KOD was like, what, three, four years ago against Tanaka, maybe? But Mao is so no. popular and so interesting. I'd, I'd, I'd like to wrestle him for the KOD belt. Same with Ueno, even with Shunma. I don't know when the last time, if ever, Shunma's challenged for the KOD belt, but when he's back from his injury, that's someone I'd like to wrestle. I mean, I would be happy. Those would be my three picks. Any of the Sauna Kamina except for Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Kojima. Hey, do you but think Kojima. that... <laughs> hey, he is poor. He has to wrestle with Tatsu. <laughs> yeah, it's, hey, sh- sh- shoot. You shoot from the hip right now. Uh, but, hey, do you think that you could... Because you already said earlier that they, you know... You're kind of doing your thing. It's not like you're involved in the plans or the booking or anything. You think you could hop mm. in on this All Japan stuff uh, coming in there? Do you think that'll be a thing, kind of? Or what's kind of your thoughts on it? Yeah, I really have no input or uh, anything like that in, into it. I'd like to do All Japan just as like bucket list for myself. It'd be fun to do at ah. some point. So I'd like to do something uh, in that kind of crossover. But whether or not it's on the cards, I'd, I have no idea. I have full faith that you can outpolitics Suwama. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd like to do all Japan. That would be fun. It's kind of on the bucket list. <laughs> um, one guy I would very much like you to face for the KOD Open title is uh, Black Mensore. <laughs> absolutely, ATM. Absolutely sure. <laughs> but no, I can also get the cash out because I feel. That is one goal that I really want to see you uh, break down and during the start of reign is defeating Kudosuke Takeshita. Still the person who on the biggest stage that I've never been able to beat, and now yeah. he's kind of MIA. But I mean, if that was on the cards, of course, that's something that I'd want to do too. Yeah. I, it, it is because that match in 2021 was the first match that I kind of opened my eyes to how great you could be as a wrestler. And I think I, we could do something so much better now too, so yeah, that's yeah. something I'd like to do. Definitely a match I really want to see for uh, during this KOD Open Without a Rain. And honestly, this this KOD Open Without a Rain, I would be very excited for it to be going for as long as possible. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. Uh, do we have any more questions for him before we close? I'm out. Uh, I just want to say thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, yeah. you spent a ton of time. It was a ton of fun talking to you. Uh, more fun than I thought it would be, to, to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed you What's coming What's that on supposed and... to mean, Dylan? <laughs> hey, Yannick told me that you said that you thought I didn't like you. When he, when he he met you in Japan, and I want to confirm that that is not true. I actually, I'm, I'm a you've turned you've converted me into a fan over the years. To be honest, Brooks, uh, that's honest. good. That's the that's the best kind of fan. The people who didn't like you, but you you convinced them eventually. That's the most rewarding. So thank you. Uh, absolutely, and like I said, it was awesome talking to you. Um, whatever happens with the belt and, and everything, I hope nothing but success for you guys and uh, the whole yeah. crew at DDT. I feel like. Like I said, I really meant it what I said when I feel like you have made a difference. If you look at the shows earlier in the year, I thought DDT was at kind of a rough spot uh, just as a fan watching. I wasn't really enamored with a lot of what was going on. But lately, I think that there's been an extra spark, and I think you have definitely been a part of it, along with other people. Uh, no one person can change everything, but I think that 
Uh, you guys are doing good. Saki's retirement road's coming up, and I can't wait to see what you do with the title and how things go for all of you. Thank you very much. I'll continue to do my best and try and uh, keep the spark alive. Yep. Very nice uh, last words. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow Chris Brooks. Uh, oh my god, I have to open Twitter. Obey, Obey Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Obey Brooks, yes. You can follow him there. Uh, you can follow me at Sondre Bjorn. Uh, you can follow Yannick uh, at Spadouche, and you can follow Dylan at Viva underscore zero. Rest in peace, Ray. Uh, her anniversary of her death just happened last week. Big big shout out to her. Yeah, for sure. And we will be back this uh, Sunday. Probably the episode will be out on Monday, so but it will be a review of DDT Big Bang and whatever happens in the Dragon Gate Cork and Hall show that is happening on Thursday. So until then, as always, be ready, wake up, and go.